Green Side, the IGA podcast. Also, Mike McCoy, the 2013 USA. Johnson, now a two-time major champion after becoming the winner of the 144th Open Championship. All right, welcome to Greenside, the IGA podcast. Clint Brown here with you. Got guest Colin Foster. Uh, Colin, uh, you might remember, uh, played at Waukee High School, went on to to play at Iowa State. Uh, Colin, how are you today? I'm doing well, Clint. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Uh, we we appreciate you coming on. I guess before we dive in, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, what what you're up to currently. Yeah, so I uh, currently am a pediatrician with Mercy One out in Waukee and Grimes, Iowa. Recently started with them, um, but my uh, kind of I've been in the area of of Iowa, Central Iowa, basically my whole life. I grew up in Clive, so it's nice to be back, uh, kind of close to home, close to family. Uh, but did a lot of IGA stuff around the state um, when I was a younger lad, and uh, was fortunate enough to continue playing into high school for Waukee, and then again a little bit later on for for Iowa State. And then I did end up uh, crossing enemy lines and did med school out at the University of Iowa, and then okay. decided to stick around for residency. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm, I'm happy to be back um, in like Clive Waukee Grimes area now, um, hopefully for. A really long time. Well, Colin, I apologize. I forgot. I, I didn't mention this. 2011 Herman Sani Scholar, very important and uh, very proud of of what you've uh, what you've become and continue to to do with your career. So, hats off to you on that. Well, I would say hats off to the IG. I'm very very thankful for them doing wonderful things like that, and I'm very appreciative of the uh, cash infusion fusion from that scholarship. But also, just it's a cool group to be a part of. It's cool. Um, golf event every year and it's just it's something I very much and proud to say I'm a Herman Sani scholar. Well we appreciate that. Uh, Colin what uh, what do you remember I guess kind of from those early days of of junior golf kind of getting started and kind of you know where you, when you caught the bug they they say. Yeah I uh, I mean it's really I remember golfing basically my whole life but I, I've been told that my family got me into golf with uh bribery with skittles <laughs> they would go. have me hit a hit a golf ball go run uh go run after it hit it again and then maybe go back to a golf cart get some skittles and then kind of repeat that process until maybe green side and then uh try to behave on the greens and then and then hole out from there but um iga event wise i just remember driving around to various uh events throughout the state and then kind of getting to play against kind of these uh, the same guys basically over and over again, but then also other other guys that maybe from around the area that you don't get to see as often and mm-hmm. um, built some friendships that way. And it was always nice to kind of go up through the ranks with them and always compare your game and just see how how you stacked up. And it was a, a very nice way to kind of learn how you react under pressure situations and just try to build and learn from each of those uh, each of those events. And I mean, I just had a blast. It's, I mean, the events are always run really nicely and uh, meet a lot of cool people that way. So I, I am very fortunate to get to play and or had, had gotten to play in a lot of those IG events uh, throughout the summers here in Iowa. So it was, I just remember just a whole lot of golf, which, which is hard to beat. <laughs> we'll take it. Won't we? Um, 2010 for a four a state champ at Waukee won by five shots, but you also uh, probably more importantly to you probably won, won the team title. 
Um, what do you remember from from that and and kind of those high school teams? Because I know you guys had some really good teams. Yeah, it was it was cool to see how Waukee progressed because I remember as a freshman, I was fortunate enough to make varsity, so I got to play in uh, state with the team there, and it was up at Mason City Country Club. And we were driving through the parking lot and it was uh, John Coates is the coach uh, during my tenure there at Waukee. Um, and I remember he uh, was very complimentary of, of Bettendorf and he said like, oh, Bettendorf's just like at a state every year. They're mm-hmm. just a powerhouse. Um, and I just, that really stuck out in my mind. It's just like, oh, that'd be really cool if we could do something similar to Waukee. And I think we had made state uh, my freshman year. I think it was the first time in, in a while, I think, or maybe certainly in 4A. Um, and then thankfully made it again in uh, sophomore year and it was out at, uh, Beaver Creek Creek in Grimes. Um, I don't think our, our teams didn't perform as well as we were hoping, but I, we showed steady progression, uh, my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year and senior year, and ultimately senior year getting the W, but, um, yeah, it was, it was cool to see how everybody kind of upped their game year, year in and year out. And was fortunate to play with a lot of wonderful players there um, at Waukee, like uh, Brian Shaw, I think it was Carter Manier, Ryan Horner, just a lot of, a lot of really good players and um, just getting to be in the trenches with them <laughs> going to all the events was, was a good time. And um, I know I'm a better player because of it, but the, I'd say the harvester uh, hosting that my senior year was wonderful. I think mm-hmm. that's, to this day, my absolute favorite golf course on the planet. Um, and it's cool because my family used to always go there in the fall when it was public uh, on our way up to you and I football games for their homecoming. Okay. And cause my, all my folks and my brother went, went to you and I, and they brainwashed me to be a Panther fan, which I still am to this <laughs> day, but uh, I think my, my allegiance are a little bit stronger for Iowa state and Iowa now, but uh, we would always play that course in the fall. And I think I would put that course up against anything certainly that I've played. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's quite the track and, uh, Keith Foster designed it. So just the, the same last name unrelated, but is a cool little yeah. thing. You drive up Foster drive to the course and, um, the course is always in mint condition. So then I, I had some experience there at that course. And I remember the day one afterwards, I think I, I felt like I played okay. Um, but I think I was three back of Dane Worley, um, really good golfer ended up playing for Drake. Uh, had a good career there. Um, so I was coming from behind there day two and I didn't think of anything really special, but I do remember getting to the, the Waukee high school parking lot before we were going to head out. And I got there really early and I think I just listened to some ACDC just to get a little bit jazzed up. And then we were off and run into the course and everything felt pretty good. Uh, and I think I shot a couple under that day two, um, so it was just, we lucked out October weather and I was a little bit iffy, but it mm-hmm. was a day much like today. It was beautiful out. Um, and I think that worked in our favor and, um, thankfully, uh, the guys played well. I, I, uh, played pretty well. So it was, a uh, an event I'll always look, look back fondly on certainly, but I think for a whole, whole host of reasons, certainly. Well, a good way to, to culminate your, your high school career. I'm sure, um, <laughs> Colin, looking back. And maybe it kind of goes along with what you said with kind of your team. Or did you feel you kind of just got better every year, kind of learned from experiences and obviously, you know, getting a little bit older, a little more mature, how to maybe handle some things on the course. What do you, what do you kind of hang your hat on uh, in that regards? 
Yeah, I think uh, just getting more reps in and I think learning how best to practice. And I, I certainly had a lot to learn, even going up to, to Iowa State in the, the college ranks that way. Certainly learn how you can um, dial up more quality reps and not just throw a lot of time at it, but a lot of quality time at it. Um, so I think just better at practicing, dedicating more time to it. I uh, stopped playing baseball, um, which was really my first love uh, back after, after my sophomore year. I just couldn't hit very well. And I think I needed glasses, but I was too stubborn. Uh, but I ended up getting some glasses and that probably helped with the green reading into my junior year. Um, but I think, yeah, having better, uh, better practice, I think was the biggest thing. And then just getting to play around with your peers and the various events around the state is a good way to kind of get things honed in. Um, so when that fall for a season comes around, you're a little bit more prepared. Um, but I think really spending more time on putting, trying to get that a little bit better, uh, was helpful. And then, um, I played a lot of golf with, uh, Brady Campbell is a really close friend of mine. He's one of my groomsmen, my, in my wedding, he was on that, that uh, winning Waukee team, really good player. Um, I think he probably could have played college if he, uh, was really wanting to, but he ultimately ended up going to Iowa and, uh, pursued like pre-med type stuff. And we were in med school together, which was cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was a nice little kind of full circle there, but, um, yeah, just more time with the guys, more better, better practice, I think was key there and getting bigger. I was a small guy. Um, and like a freshman out there at Mesa city country club, I was probably, I don't know, maybe a buck 40 soaking wet. I could barely hit it anywhere and then had a pretty good growth spurt before sophomore year. And then I think that was probably the biggest, uh, impact on scoring just to have shorter clubs in, um, and then just kept getting a little bit better with, with the short game. I think the other three years was helpful. Uh, Colin, you mentioned you went off to, to Iowa state. Uh, what was that transition like for you? What was maybe some, some of the looking back again, uh, maybe kind of some eye opening things that you remember making that transition from, you know, a successful four a high school to division one golf. It, it was quite different. Um, so you, uh, from the time that you throw at it, but then also you have a lot more resources. I, I think I'm very fortunate to have uh, gotten to play on Iowa State team. I think I was probably, well, certainly lucky to play on the team, but I think I was probably as bad of a golfer that you could possibly be and still play <laughs> compared to all, all the peers that were up there. Cause you had Nate McCoy, who's just an absolute rock star. Um, you had uh, Blake Waller, uh, another 4A state champ or out at Dowling. Um, so you had a lot of, a lot of great Iowa golfers, but then a lot of international talent. So just comparing yourself to all those, um, truly amazing golfers. And Scott Fernandez was one of my uh, best friends from Spain. Um, you've got like uh, Nick Voke. Uh, he was sure. on the team during my tenure as well. Um, so just getting to compare yourself to those guys and just seeing where their strengths lie and just seeing how they practice, how they approach the game and then having the, the coach tank at the helm, just to try to focus some of that energy and, and get you point in the right direction. And I, I certainly benefited quite a bit from, from having that and just, it, it was wonderful, but yeah, certainly eye opening just in terms of just comparing your game. Cause you uh, see about the same group of guys in your own age group moving up the ranks. And then uh, you could see quite a bit uh, of talent range there in, in division one golf. And it was, I was very fortunate to get to play that. And I, I think if I was going through that process now, I don't think I would get the same looks based off of all the, the talented golfers that are out there now. So I think I timing was right. 
uh, and everything worked out really nicely in my favor, which was uh, very, very happy to have been a cyclone. Well, Colin, you're very humble, but I'm going to tell you, Nate McCoy disagrees. He said you were a really good player, but also with your academic schedule was incredible how you balanced that. He said you were always going to labs and and you know this that and everything but still right there and and played well in tournaments and uh looked up some stuff on you four time first team academic all big 12 that's pretty impressive and then at the uh 2014 NCAA championship you were awarded the elite 89 award which from what i understand is the highest gpa of any of the competitors that that is correct and i think they've since expanded that as the sports have expanded so i, I don't know if they have the 89 anymore it's maybe okay. elite 90 or 91 but okay. yeah i think that's one of my proudest accomplishments and i think really the only reason that that was possible is because the my teammates were so great during the year to get us into a position to make regionals and then we performed well at regionals we got hot at the right time and didn't know that award existed. Uh, so that, that was a surprise there, uh, down in Hutchinson, Kansas at Prairie Dunes. And that, that was, that was a thrill, but yeah, I I would say the only reason that that was feasible is because of all the, all the guys had put in great reps and and great tourneys leading up to that. So I am very, very grateful, but yeah, I, I think being an introvert, uh, pretty stubborn, I, I threw a lot of man hours at, at academics <laughs> as well as golf and weight room stuff. So I think it was nice to have a little bit, a little bit of like numbers to show for it, if nothing else. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but I, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it. That's for sure. Well, kind of on that same line of, of you being humble about your ability 68 in the first round of the NCAA championships, <laughs> pretty darn good, but um, I don't know if that's still the record, but when I, what I read, it was a record at the time, so I don't know if that still stands, and you might know better than I. But uh, your your ability was was pretty darn good. I I got hot at the right time. I would say I think Ruben Sanjaya, uh, he's now coaching out at University of Illinois. I yep, think he okay. may have tied it, but uh, with Prairie Dunes, I think it's traditionally a par seventy two, but they had it at a seventy one. Okay. So I don't know if that impacts records at all, but sure. hey, I, I'm just happy to have a piece. That's for sure because that that course has eating my lunch uh, in the big 12s before where I got DFL, I think at least once, but uh, yeah, it was nice to get a little bit of revenge there at, you know, during national. So that was cool. Colin, a kind of a common question I've asked um, some of the guests on here. Are you a guy at that point, you know, did you like to go out and play um, to practice? Did you like to, you know, hit a lot of balls and, and be at the range or was it a mixture or what that looked like for you? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think you'll probably see an answer skewed based off of, really successful golfers and maybe less successful golfers. And I, I may fall into the ladder there where I think it's almost a little bit of like tinkering a little bit with how to get the right ball flight. Just, I like the problem solving element there. And I think that probably is why I'm in the career path that I am, but I, I enjoy the reps that way. It's, you could put a lot of focus there and I like putting quite a bit too. We're using a putt narc and maybe like a, a yardstick and trying to roll it down the yardstick. So that's where I, I tended to prefer to the point where I really, really enjoyed the off season work because you could try to dial in some swing changes, um, work on the track, man, work on the sim, uh, hit a lot of balls, try to get things dialed in for the upcoming, uh, season and not having to deal with a lot of travel type stuff, um, was wonderful. And then we would amp up our, uh, physical conditioning as well, which I always got a, a kick out of, um, 
And as my brother likes to point out, I had a much thicker neck back in undergrad than what I do now, just a lot, <laughs> lot stronger back then. I think I had to keep buying new pants my freshman year because we were hitting the weight room pretty hard. But uh, yeah, so I'd be more of a range rat. But I think that the guys that tended to be more successful at a, at a tournament and, and performance level, I think were the guys that just loved to play and they would do a lot of competitions and things like that. So if I had to do it over, I think I would try to maybe shift my focus a little bit more to the play element and uh, get reps that way. But yeah, I, I still love to this day, just going out and try to find it in the dirt, get a lot of reps in on the, on the green from like five feet and in, and um, just kind of repeat, repeat, repeat. Colin, uh, specifically in the IGA events, who were maybe some guys that you, you looked up to or, or the, or that maybe even enjoyed, you know, if you got a pairing with them that you, you kind of got geared up for. Yeah. I mean, you could put every, let's say former cyclone or current cyclone in that category. Um, I think Nate McCoy, he was the same age as my older brother. Okay. So I think he was always someone that you looked up to and just kind of how he carried himself was certainly a role model for, for everybody uh, moving up the ranks. So that I would say absolutely Nate McCoy. Uh, but really you could put anyone in there. Like uh, I played it. Uh, Gene Elliott. I think I've played with, I played with Mike McCoy. I mm-hmm. think at Briarwood uh, way back in the day, like a Blake Waller, Ian Vandersee was another guy that he just, I felt like he just hit the cover off of the golf ball. Uh, and it was fun to, fun to see him. And he was a uh, year ahead of me. So I got to see him navigate uh, the college golf process, him and him and Blake Waller at the same time. So Blake Waller ended up being a teammate of mine, which was, which was uh, fantastic for me. And uh, Ian was out at Iowa. So it was cool to see that. And like Steve and I am too, like there's just a ton of, of golfers like that um and in my own age group i would say dane worley was was wonderful to get to play with and against um there's tanner kesterson too out from fort dodge yeah he ended up playing for the this uh, oklahoma state um yeah. he consistently would find a way i think just about every time to to beat me so <laughs> that was that was uh, a, a fun fun thing for me to try to elevate my game to a point where it was a little bit more competitive. And then Colin Pearson, um, another Fort Dodge guy. So just a lot of people out there. I think I, I really lucked out with the cohort that I was coming up with. And it was, I had a blast. Colin changing gears a little bit. We talked a little bit about this before we got started. Um, you're a type one diabetic. Um, and I know that's a, you know, a, a cause that you're, you're very passionate about, but I'm just curious as far as, you know, playing high level golf and also athletics, you know, growing up, just curious what that balance was like, what that kind of looked like for you, kind of what you remember is, you know, as a youngster, you know, growing up with that and, you know, didn't have a lot of, you know, you didn't have a choice about it. It just, you know, that's, that's what it was. So just curious about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly, I sorry, I remember the day. So the day before I was diagnosed, we were, we were out golfing and one of the symptoms of, of, like undiagnosed diabetes is when your blood sugar is really high. You're probably, I was probably in a mild diabetic ketoacidosis, okay. um, but golfed 18 holes, walked it. I remember complaining to my family, like, man, I feel really tired. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, you should keep walking. Uh, but we had a pediatrician appointment that, that it was a, that was a Sunday. And then we had a pediatrician appointment on Monday and go in and they check your blood sugar and it's 610 milligrams oh, wow. per deciliter, which is, which is quite high. You want that certainly under 180, but you, I think if you were to prick up someone's finger, you'd probably be pretty close to hundred. So it's not quite as impressive as I've seen it now through my medical career, but man, it, it was 
pretty high. Yeah. Uh, and I had lost a lot of weight from a prior medical appointment, peeing all the time. So a lot of the classic symptoms and um, boom, from that day on, your life has changed forever. And it adds a, a layer of complication to it where I think there takes more planning to do a lot of the things, specifically athletic type things where you just have to be a little bit more cognizant of where your blood sugar is at to start and maybe a little bit more thoughtful with meal timing, what you eat, things like that. And I think all things that maybe could have played into what I was hoping to do for a career and also probably set me up for success with a lot of things where I'm used to planning, kind of used to thinking ahead and just thinking about your next steps and contingency planning. And I think that really helped me, I think more than it hurt me overall, but mm -hmm. uh, certainly you have your ups and downs with, with anything. And I was very fortunate to have a family that was very supportive in a lot of different ways and was lucky to not have to do anything like rationing supplies or rationing insulin or anything. So I think it's certainly right. fortunate in that regard. And uh, a lot of good technology advancements uh, in 2014, when I played pretty well there, I think probably the best golf that I have played so far, uh, the, there's a continuous glucose monitor that, that I was using where I no longer had to check my blood sugar yep. like 10 times a day. I could just look down at a phone and, and see like, oh, my blood sugar is in a good spot or like I'm dipping. I should probably uh, eat some food. So I think it was mm -hmm. a little bit more, uh, just a lot more targeted in terms of my management, which was, which was fantastic. And I think um, it can be does like certainly there are a lot of type one diabetics out there that function at very high levels in various fields. And mm -hmm. I think, uh, probably the the common denominator with all of them is some type of preparation but i think you could apply that to a lot of different things and not just related to to diabetes management just trying to be prepared and contingency plan and um i guess in golf specifically i know i probably have a heavier golf bag than your average golfer out there <laughs> just with all the the snacks i gotta pack mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um yeah it's just trying to be prepared for what's next i think that's just good good life advice for anybody so colin before you had your cgm were you checking your your blood sugars throughout the round or did you kind of know how you were feeling hey i better check it i, I maybe i'm i kind of feel low or what what did that look like i'm just curious before you had your um your cgm yeah that's that's a good question so i i would check i i'm trying to think back because it's it's been a while thankfully sure. but i think i would i would typically check at least a couple times during the round but i I think there is something to be said about uh, if you do manage your, your diabetes in a way that's pretty close to where you want it to be, I think you have more of a sensation of when you're out of range. Um, and I wasn't having so many lows outside of activity where I lost the awareness of hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So I, I was still able to feel low when it was happening and, and try to prevent it from getting too low where then it starts to maybe your mind's not firing on all cylinders and you start yeah. to have some issues there. So I, um, I thankfully was continued to be hypoglycemic aware through that process and then would basically have to eat almost felt like constantly throughout the round to the point where if you were trying to burn some calories on the course, I was probably a net positive in terms of calories rather than negative despite walking. But, um, yeah, it, uh, so the CGM was quite, quite impactful there because it probably, save me a, a couple finger pricks, but then also maybe prevented some lows, which were tend to be associated with some of my problematic scores <laughs> here and there. I have a, I have a good friend who, who's type one and 
you know, her, her kind of go-to is the fruit snacks and, and apple juice. Uh, what, uh, what was kind of your go-tos in the, in the bag maybe? Oh yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I never get too far away from a fruit snack, I think. So I, yep. I feel like I've had thousands of fruit snacks. My, <laughs> I feel like my dentist would be very disappointed, but, um, yeah, fruit snacks are my go-to. I actually had a round with Brady Campbell out at Beaver Creek one day. We were getting ready for the high school season because that was Waukee's home course. And I had bumped my insulin pump uh, just right where it then delivered a maximum amount of my insulin. So oh, which no. would potentially cause a very dramatic yes. and, and potentially very problematic low blood sugar. Yes. So I had thankfully a ton of fruit snacks in my bag. So I think I had like seven fruit snacks and uh, a regular Mountain Dew oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, just to keep the, cause I had, I did the math and it was going to be roughly about three meals worth of carbohydrate that I had to eat um, to, to keep things more status quo. And, and we did, and I made the turn and ended up beating Brady by a little bit, which I like <laughs> to remind him every now and then, but it was, uh, just little things like that. So definitely fruit snacks. Now, I think if I'm just at home, a Swedish fish are kind of, or like sour patch kids, the watermelon ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, juice is pretty nice. I did a stretch when I was more health conscious in undergrad with more granola bars, uh, but it acts a little bit slower. So you got to be catching it a little bit earlier. So like the truly the junk junk food tends to act pretty quickly, which is what you need when you're trying to fight that low. Colin, I, and I apologize because I, I don't know for sure. So in your work as a pediatrician, are you are you seeing some kids that are being diagnosed um, with type 1? So in, in my training at Iowa, we would rotate. We did a, most of our training on the, like in the inpatient setting. So up in that beautiful children's hospital. Uh-huh. Um, and you'd have the endocrinology team would be part of your one of your services that you would rotate through. Okay. So I would deal with, I would get to, interact with the families and, and help manage the like new onset type one diabetes sure. or some of the, the kiddos that had more complications. So that, that was wonderful. And I, I very seriously considered endocrinology as a result of, of how much enjoyment I, I got from that and continue to get from that. But uh, as a general pediatrician, the outpatient setting at, at Mercy One, I haven't diagnosed any in the outpatient. Okay. Um, I would happily build a practice where I get to do a lot of primary care medicine for those little ones that do have type one diabetes, but they mm-hmm. would still be primarily managed from a blood sugar perspective, insulin supplies like that with their endocrinologist, sure. which locally here would be typically through uh, the blank endocrinology team. And then you'll have some, some kiddos that would make their way out to Iowa and, and head back there for it. But I, I would be more primary care and potentially maybe the, the very early stages in diagnosis and then send them to the right people uh, for longitudinal care in that regard. Okay. I just, I, I was curious about that and, and was just, you know, it's a, it's a big thing for not only the, the child, but the family and, you know, it's, it's a big change. And, um, you know, I, I think you're a, you're one to, to look upon that, Hey, this isn't, it's not the end of the world. It's, you know, I can still go on and do great things and, and, uh, and, and all that. So I, I wanted to say that publicly. Um, one question before we, we, we go on kind of a, more of a fun one. Um, I did see your birthday is January 1st. Do you celebrate like New Year's Eve and then you just roll it onto your birthday or what's that, what's that look like for you now these days? Well, if if I had my brothers, Clint, I wouldn't celebrate it at all. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of a rough birthday to have if that's your mindset, because you get hit a couple times with it because you get hit like immediately at midnight. Uh, 
uh, like New Year's Eve into New Year's. Uh-huh. So then you get that and then you get the inevitable uh, happy birthday. And then the next day, I guess I'd say if you wake up uh, on the first there, uh, then you get it again. Um, so I, but I had a cousin seven years younger than me. Uh, her name is Elsa and we shared the same birthday. Oh, so wow. a lot of my birthday celebrations growing up from age seven and on <laughs> were uh, Disney princess themed because of okay. her. So, <laughs> uh, I didn't, didn't, didn't have many birthday uh, celebrations that were solo for me. And that, that is a okay, a okay by me. <laughs> well, you were just coming off Christmas too. So you probably, you know, what, what you needed, you probably got it, you know, a week or so before. So uh, I get it. Uh, well, Colin, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, please tell your family I, I say hello and the IGA so, says hello. We appreciate your guys' continued support of not only the the IGA, but the foundation and scholarship. And uh, and we can't say enough about that. But uh, again, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Clinton. Yeah, we love the IGA and the Foster House. And um, hopefully we're going to continue participation. Eventually, I'll get the golf game back into shape and then hopefully playing some events and get the wife playing too. So I I hope to interact with you guys a lot more here in the near future. There you go. All right. Take care. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) 